Well, welcome. I, I hope the worship has been sweet to you today. Uh, just This is a day of new beginnings. I know you're watching online and, and many of you will continue to watch online, but today as well we're having two live services on the campus. And, and so we're excited about just seeing people face to face and we look forward to that time where we'll all be together uh, real soon. I want to just make a quick announcement to you if I could. You know, with what's been going on in our country, I've been in communication with the mayor and the chief of police this week and other pastors. And this Sunday night, uh, 6 o'clock tonight, we're going to be gathering at Centennial Plaza. And everybody's invited just for a, a show of unity as we pray and we, we petition the Lord on behalf of our city and our nation. And so I hope you can make it. Uh, go to uh, the, the Facebook page for the church and you'll be able to see some of the details. But it's tonight at 6 o'clock in Centennial Plaza, and I want to invite you to be a part of that. You know, uh, we've been getting back in the offices, and uh, in my office, uh, I was sitting down at my desk the other day. This is how uh, how I've been processing a little bit over the last couple of months. I looked down, and I'm old school. I have one of those big old calendars on on the middle of my desk, which has the whole month, so I can write on it and and scribble on it and this kind of stuff. And And so I'm up there studying, and I look, and it's March on my calendar that is on my desk. And I thought, man, here we are in June, and I've still got March. The reason I have March is because we've been so out of the offices, and that's when everything seemed to come down. And so... Uh, I started processing uh, within myself. I'm kind of one of those guys that uh, gets a little intuitive and and uh, introspective. So I started I started processing with myself over the last couple of months. So we're gonna we're gonna take a one off here today as we as we look at just where the Lord is dealing with my heart and maybe uh, you're processing uh, through the same thing. And the Lord took me to an Old Testament uh, passage in the book of Joshua. Uh, and let me kind of give you the background before I read the scripture that we're going to be looking at today. The, you may remember the children of Israel, the Jewish nation, was in Egypt for 400 years and they were uh, slaves there, okay? Moses comes along, let my people go, they get out of Egypt, they, they come and they're supposed to go directly to the promised land, they end up not going into the promised land, they find themselves 40 years wandering around out in the uh, wilderness and then eventually they come, Moses dies, they come to one last uh, obstacle before they get into the promised land, and that's the Jordan River at flood stage. Joshua is now the designated leader, even though the people are still wondering uh, what kind of leader he's going to be. So Joshua hears from the Lord, and he goes before the people, and he tells the priest, he said, I want you to get the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant had the Ten Commandments in there. Uh, it had a jar of manna in there. It had uh, the staff that had budded in there as well. And he told him to take the Ark. It, it symbolized the presence of God with them. It always went at the, uh, to lead them into battle or whatever, the presence of God. And he told the priest to take it. And that they would step into the Jordan that the water would part. So you can imagine uh, there's a great story there. You step in and then it parts. There's a faith right there. So the priests take the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. They step into the Jordan. Sure enough, the water parts and they're going to be able to walk across on the land. 
Now, what uh, Joshua said is he picked one man from each tribe, 12 men, and he told them to grab a stone, uh, uh, probably a big stone, out of the Jordan. And they were going to, there were two spiritual markers that they were going to make. Number one, he said, pick up a stone and you set them together, a marker within the Jordan itself. But you were to get another stone and you're going to carry it out, and I'm going to show you what you're going to do with it. So, in Joshua chapter 4, verse 15, that's where we're going to pick it up. Uh, the people are coming across, the priests are out there uh, standing on in the middle of the Jordan, and this is where we pick it up. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priest bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest, Come up out of the Jordan. And when the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. Verse 19, the people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. Now let me stop here just a moment. Gilgal is an important city. Uh, it's going to be the first city where they really come into and they inhabit in such a way that it will become their home base for quite some time. It was that home base that they would go out and fight their battles and they would come back. They would get supplies. Their wounded would heal up. They would get guidance and direction and they, they would get rest. Uh, this is what Gilgal not only was, but it symbolizes. We, we need a Gilgal bat in our life. We need that place that we can come back to and find spiritual rest and replenishment and get direction from God, heal up from when we get wounded. I think Gilgal uh, symbolizes so many things uh, to us even today. So I, I just give you that as a side note because it is such an important city to me in what took place. Verse 20, let's pick it up. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. So, you see what happens. He said, get each man were to grab a stone, which would be uh, representing their tribe. They took those stones, they took them to Gilgal, and they built a spiritual marker. They did not build an altar, but they built a spiritual marker. And I'll explain that in just a moment. And he said to the people of Israel... When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. Now get verse 24, because this is the key. So that, why is this happening? So that. All the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. The reason that they came through the Jordan was not to puff them up, to say, hey, look at me. It was so that everybody would look at this spiritual marker that is there in Gilgal, and they would say, you know, God is mighty. Look what he's done. Now, here's where I've been processing 
I've been thinking about this thing about spiritual markers and the marker stones that were were there, and it, it kind of got me to thinking about what we've gone through with the pandemic. There, there are six things, though, that I think a, a spiritual marker for them and for us, and I'll explain that in just a moment, but there are six things that a, a spiritual marker does. Number one, you remember. It is there so that you remember the work that God has done. See, that's what this marker was all about. They're going to remember, because times may get tough, they're going to see that and they're going to remember what God has done as he led them here. Secondly, it's for a new generation. You see, the sign is for when their kids come or their generation comes behind them and says, what are these stones? They're going to be able to tell them about how mighty God is. That's what that marker is. Thirdly, the marker is there to increase their faith. You see, life got tough for them uh, quickly. They were going to find themselves struggling with hope. They wanted to go back to Egypt. I mean, so many things once they were there. But they would come back and they would see that spiritual marker and they would say, Hey, God did this before. He will do it again. And it gave them hope. Uh, fourthly, it, it was there to let others know. It, to let others know how mighty God really is. Uh, it was allow them to tell their story. Anybody looks at that uh, spiritual marker, those rocks, they would say, what is that? And they would be able to tell their story and let other people know about the power of God. Fifthly, it would, it would let them know they're going the right direction, right? Uh, when we went to uh, Camino de San Diego this, uh, this past summer and we were on the mission trip there on the Camino, uh, that there were signs about every 10th mile or so you would have a sign and have a seashell on there and you would see it. That would be a sign marker and you would see that to know you're going the right direction. You know, these people, when they look back, they would say, God moved here. We know we're going the right direction because God has moved here. And then the sixth thing about a marker is this. It would give you a new path that you were to walk, not to go back to previous, but to go on the new path. And that's what these people saw. They came across the Jordan. They would see this spiritual marker and they knew God had a new direction for them to walk out. Okay, so that's what this spiritual marker symbolized to these people. Now, you and I actually have spiritual markers in our lives. We may, may not have realized it, but we have put certain spiritual markers up. God has moved, and we have seen those, and they give us strength and hope as well. Let me, let me share with you a little bit about spiritual markers that, that we have and some thoughts about that. Henry Blackaby, uh, who wrote Experiencing God, he said this about spiritual markers. He said, a spiritual marker identifies a time of transition decision or direction when I clearly know that God has guided me. And that's a time when God so moved in your life that maybe you got a new direction, you transitioned, but at whatever, you knew God was at work. So this is where I started processing. I started thinking about my own life a little bit. Let me share with you some of my spiritual markers that uh, I see that God has taken me through in my life. Uh, beginning, uh, strangely, very young, with my dad's death uh, in 1961. My dad died. I was 15 months old. Now we're thinking, what's the spiritual marker there? Well, my dad uh, set the course for our family as far as really being a family that's involved in church and the things of Jesus. 
And so that was very important. My, my father's death was one of those things. In 1967, another spiritual marker. As an eight-year-old boy, I walked an aisle at Beverly Hills Baptist Church in Waco. And, and the best way I knew how, as an eight-year-old boy, I knew I was broken. I needed Jesus. I walked that aisle. I took the pastor by the hand. I said, I want to follow Jesus. And that's been a spiritual marker because that took me on a new uh, trajectory as well in my life. Another one. 1975. I'm a teenager. I, I want to follow the Lord, but it's one of those things I don't know how very much. But in 1975, in my bedroom on a, on a late evening, I was actually reading through the scripture systematically. That's weird for a 15 year old, right? But I was reading through and I'll never forget this evening because God really spoke directly to me as mystical as that sounds. And it was an encounter with his Holy Spirit and a calling upon my life, which once again is a spiritual marker taking me uh, a, a direction in my life. 1979, uh, Pam and I stand in an altar and we commit ourselves to one another for life. Once again, it's a spiritual marker that God has worked and we are going to walk from that. 1980, went on my first church Staff position, which was a spiritual marker. God is training me. It's a Jordan we went through to learn and to get experience. 1983 and 84. Josh was born in 1983. The girls were born in 1984. And uh, with that, for you parents, you, you probably don't understand completely yet if you're just having kids. But it, let me tell you, it's a spiritual marker that God is giving you direction right there. 1985, we, uh, God brought us to Round Rock and little did we know that we came, uh, what God would be doing, but we came to Round Rock in 1985 and uh, then by 1990, we, uh, uh, God has moved once again. We go over and relaunch Mission Church here in town, Northeast Baptist Church. And uh, God, once again, puts another stake in the ground, a spiritual marker that, that we're not going to go back beyond. We are going to go forward from this point. And then 1990, um, uh, when that took place, 1993 is when God worked out everything for Central to come into existence. And that was a spiritual marker for us. One other one, I don't want to, I don't want to belabor this. I just want you to get the point. In 2005 um, was another spiritual marker in in my life is that some men prayed and we talked and about me giving leadership to the other pastors in Round Rock. And 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 this has been a, a interesting thing that's put a stake there and to see how God has moved in that area. I, I share this with you to, to let you know personally some of the spiritual markers that I have gone through, and all of you have your, your own. You see, a, a spiritual marker is a time when, when God has revealed himself to you or in your circumstances, and you have that encounter with him. Uh, another thought is this. A spiritual marker is a time when God altered your life course. You see, you think you have it all planned out, right? You don't. God is in charge and he can change your life course. And it's to, it's to grow you into more Christ likeness. And, and a third thought is this, uh, is that uh, it's a time that you look back on and it gives you hope 
for where you're going forward. You're saying, okay, God has moved here. Now, he doesn't give spiritual markers every week or every month, and, and I came up with a lot of them, and you may not have that many in your life, but let me tell you, God has those markers. Now, here's where I want to get practical. Over the last few months, we have walked in an area that no generation, modern generation, has walked before through what we've walked through. And we're thinking, God, what are you, what are you doing here? What are you doing as you uh, prod us forward? And my thought was, you know, we can think of pandemic. I'm not blaming the pandemic on God, even though there was times in scriptures where he bought, brought plagues. So we better take that seriously. And we look, if there's anything we need to repent of, so we look at that. We also look at, at, at this time of quarantining and this time of, of uh, changing church and all of these kind of things, working from home. And I see that God may be establishing spiritual markers for us, especially spiritual markers for you as a follower of Jesus and for us as a church. Let me, let me give you some thoughts that I, that I, I think are important. Number one is new disciplines. You think back over these past three months, two months, people have started new disciplines, walking, reading, uh, reconnecting with people, um, taking care of themselves, uh, uh, learning how to do something different and, and special. And the question I ask is, when this pandemic is said and done, are you just going to go back to do things the way you did before? Or you can see that God used that to put you on a new trajectory. And and second thing is this, maybe God is giving you hope in the midst of what you're walking through. Uh, now, I know somebody can say, well, Mark, it's hard to celebrate when people have died and these kind of things. Yes, but listen, it's turned our eyes back upon our creator and we are finding hope. God, you've moved before. You've healed before. You've led your people before. We trust you. We, we see the marker here. A third one is this new trajectory or new course in life. Uh, many of us have learned new ways to do things. And I think God has really done that with the church. He has uh, uh, stoked us because we, like everybody else, can get into the routine of doing everything the way we think it should be done. And God, in his great mercy, has gently pushed us that we can be more than we can be. But you as a follower of Jesus, maybe God has used this time to allow you to grow closer to him and see the calling that he has upon your life. And this pandemic time, you're going to look back on 10 years from now and you're going to say, God used that to change my course towards him. A couple more. The importance of relationships. Um, how many people have I talked to have reconnected with family and friends and neighbors and it's been special. They've taken the time to actually communicate and talk and, and love their fellow man in the midst of this. And now I know we're dealing with an issue right now of division in our country and that's why we're praying Sunday night. But, uh, you know, we, we have seen a reconnection of people. And, I, and I'm thinking, God, did you use this as a spiritual marker in our lives that we're going to look back upon and say, God, you used that to draw our family close, to uh, teach us how to truly love one another. And then one more uh, spiritual marker that I see out of the pandemic. And this one I talked a little bit, but the church 
central and specific has been challenged. Um, and the challenge, to be honest, when we stepped into it, we were all really fearful because how do you read about how do you pastor in a pandemic? We, we just didn't know. And we, so we go forward. And you know, God has showed himself so faithful and he's shown you so faithful because the church is not an individual, uh, a church or a building. A church is made up of the many parts that are there. And so God has, has done an incredible job of challenging his church. And let me, let me say this to you as your pastor. I really believe the church is going to look different going forward. Uh, I think our online presence, I think the, when we get back together, I think it's going to look different because why? We're going to trust God more instead of the things of man more. And so we're going to see this as a spiritual marker in that how God is going to move. My question to you today is, are you willing to go before the Lord and say, Lord, what are the spiritual markers you're showing me right now? Now, listen, some of you may be there and you have no faith base at all. You're thinking, OK, I understand what this is saying. Listen, your initial spiritual marker is for you to drive down a stake and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you today in my house, in my room, right where I'm at. God, I'm going to put this stake down because you are speaking to me and I want to make it real today. And so that's your spiritual marker that you need to put down right now. But for the, for many of the others who are followers of Jesus, you know, God has been challenging you to grow, to let your faith increase and, and, uh, uh, just to see what he wants to do in your life will be incredible. Listen, I believe God wants to use this time to take us closer to his heart. And we're going to look back on this time and say, God, you were real and you were guiding us. I read a, a story uh, about John Bassanio, who was the pastor at First Baptist Houston for, for many, many years. And his daughter came up to him when she was five years old and she said, uh, Dad, I would like a dollhouse. And he was reading a book at the time and he said, uh, he said, he nodded and he said, I promise you, I will build you uh, a dollhouse. And the next thing you know, the little girl has gone off and, and what she's doing is she's collecting up all of her dolls and she's walking across the backyard with dolls and little doll furniture and all this kind of stuff. And he looks out there and he sees her and he turns to his wife and he says, what is she doing? And he said, and she said to him, she said, you said, as her dad, you were going to build her a dollhouse. She is just taking you up on the promise that you made. And he said it was like a kick in the gut. He said the next thing he knows, he's putting that book down. He's running off to get the lumber so he can buy, build a dollhouse. Not because she deserved it. Not because she even asked. But because she had the faith in the promise of her dad. Listen, times may be shaky. But let me tell you, God is on his throne and he has made promises to us. And I think he is challenging us to take him up on his promises as we go to new levels with him. I pray, first of all, for your faith in Jesus. But second of all, for you that are believers, let your faith grow deeper. Walk in this new course that God has for you. Pray with me. Father. 
I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's not hollow or just about history, but Lord, it speaks to us right now. And Lord, I pray for those people that are hearing and watching that this will be a day that will challenge them and they'll put those stakes in the ground, those spiritual markers, and they will look back at this day as a day of hope that they trust you and your promises. So Lord, guide us, lead us, I pray. And Lord, please know we love you and want to know you more. And we thank you even in the midst of times we don't fully understand because you are in your throne. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.